Today on the show, Naomi decides to move to Australia. I'm the only black woman, only American, you know, black woman. And of course, it's like, oh my God, people kept calling me brave, you know, because it's like, you're a lady and you're by yourself somewhere. That's not your house. You're brave. <laughs> you're so courageous. You're so well-spoken. I'm like, oh, you're racist. <laughs> and one day, she meets a nice Swedish guy, and they go on a date. We went to the zoo. That was our date at the Taronga Zoo. And um, he was dull as dishwater, honey. But he was like, he was very burly. He was like a human Lego man. You know, just like that kind of boxiness. And it was like, bitch, you want to fetishize? I'll fetishize you too, Caucasian. We'll do it, okay? Join me as we explore the worst of dates, but the best of stories with the Bad Date Great Story series. And this is your chance to share your worst date story. We'll be taking your calls on this special live edition of YOY. You know, I have a checkered past because I used to drink to feel pretty, now I eat to feel nothing. So, <laughs> as you can imagine, okay? Drink to feel pretty, honey, you get around the block, okay? You go around the block, you knock on doors, you borrow cups of sugar. Stay with us. My heart is beating, beating like an o'clock. My heart is beating, you can hear it talk. Beep, 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 beep. My heart goes beep, 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 beep. My heart goes beep, beep, beep. You answer my thoughts. My heart beats a little faster. Hey there, this is YOY. I'm live in the studio right now, not in front of my usual wimpy uh, pre-recorded microphone, but a live one. And uh, I'm joined in the studio right now by Jesse Mail. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's nice to have company. Um, so you, YOY, you should all know that something, I, a trend I'm noticing about the show is that I'm really into uh, failing wildly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's something that I celebrate and I'm very <laughs> honest about how often that happens for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is a show that's kind of all about that. Um, Jesse is the, one of the two great co-hosts and organizers of a storytelling series going on right now in New York City called Bad Date, Great Story. Um, how, did it, how did it come about? How did it get started? Uh, it got started uh, almost three years ago. Um, Emmy Soikawa, uh, who is the wonderful co-producer and, and co-host, um, who is here with us in spirit right now, um, she and I actually took a class together at, uh, at Columbia. And it was, um, she had taken a couple years off of school, and so she was a little older, and I was working there, so I was a little bit older. We both look really young, and so we thought that we were underclassmen and didn't want to talk to each other. Um, and so then one day we literally found each other like walking back to the same street and she was like are you stalking me and I was like are you stalking me (laughs) and we got talking and we realized that we had a lot in common including that we were both young women single women in our 20s um and so we started you know spending time together this is also our love story I guess um and going out for drinks and uh, the more that we spent time together we realized uh, a common theme that was happening was we were talking about 
fail dating. Right? You mentioned failure. We were both uh, failing in really wonderful ways. <laughs> um, so we had we had some great material. Um, and so one day, um, I told a. Uh, a particularly bad story, and Emmy turns to me and she says, uh, "That's a that's a bad date." And I said, "What?" But it's a great story, and it was literally you could see the light bulb go off, um, and suddenly we were like, "Bad date, great story." Um, <laughs> and so we first started it as as a website that that still exists, so you can still go to and read um, material posted over the past three years, and we we have a lot of um, new material constantly being generated. And that's at baddategreatstory.com. We were doing that for about a year, and we're both writers um, and artists, and we realized that we had this amazing resource, which was hilarious, talented people who also, surprise, surprise, were going on terrible, horrible dates. Um, and so from that, we launched the story uh, telling series. Um, and we started out in a smaller venue, and uh, and we just sort of keep expanding. And now it's uh, every other month, um, and we just have such a, a wonderful um backlog of of amazing hilarious bad date sagas i love that story so much because it highlights two of my favorite things that happen it's that moment where you discover a female friend where you're like yes we have like this is a this is a thing and it's not going away i feel like you can meet friends and be like oh we should get drinks sometime but some friends you're like we are going to be close yes absolutely and that was how it was with emmy um we had that sort of like instantaneous connection and we also it helped that we both lived in upper manhattan and most of our friends were in brooklyn and nobody would come and visit us so <laughs> we wound up uh spending a lot of time together uh based on location but also just based on our own sort of enjoyment of each other's company can I ask, are you both still single? Um, actually, we're both not, which is uh, a really interesting dynamic that it started um, when we uh, were both single women. And it sort of evolved. Um, I mean, has been dating somebody for about two years, and, and I've been uh, dating someone for about three months. And and they're really supportive guys, right? I, I think they're both listening now. Um, and they sort of know, like, this is this is the territory. And they come to the shows and, um, and, and help out and laugh and understand that our dating histories are also part of our careers and, and our artistic endeavors. Yeah, if you don't want to hear stories about guys I used to date, we, we have nothing to talk about. We have nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's like half my story. Right, right. I mean, it's good material. Um, so so we're both very lucky. That, and, and it's not just our boyfriends. It's also we've had family members in the audience. Right? Emmy's mom has been there. Wasn't there an Aunt Bessie at the show I was at? There was an Aunt Bunny. Bunny? Yeah, and she is in That's 90. That's not a name. That's <laughs> We're gonna bring. Let's bring the name Bunny back. Yeah, we need to bring the name Bunny back. Um, and Bunny, she she used to perform pornographic puppet shows for the French Foreign Legion. Right. So hearing her stories were perhaps some of the original amazing dating sex stories that I heard in my life. Wow. Well, speaking of cute animals like bunnies, we have a picture of uh, Electra the cat up on the WFMU playlist page at wfmu.org. 
What is the story behind Electra and how has she become a mascot for the series? So uh, Electra is our adorable mascot. Um, she started because um, one one day I had moved back to New York. Um, I mean, I are also both New Yorkers, which was part of how we bonded. I had moved back to New York and I was dating somebody for, for a couple of years and then we broke up and I was sort of like, oh my God, I have to navigate the New York City dating scene. How am I going to do this? Um, so I actually met somebody at... at Surprise, surprise, a literary event. Um, <laughs> and he was charming and unemployed. Um, and uh, and so we sort of hit it off. He invited me to a on a date in Bensonhurst. Um, and I was like... That's kind of far away. It was really far from Upper Manhattan, but I was like, this is apparently what people do. They travel really long distances to like try to find their next boyfriend. Um, and so I did that, and I went to Bensonhurst. We had a nice time. It was like coffee. And I was like, we could have gotten coffee anywhere. Um, but, but he wanted coffee closer to his apartment. Right. He wanted coffee closer to his apartment. Yes. Yes. This is also what I learned about dating oftentimes. <laughs> the location is very convenient to one person. Um, and and so, you know, we left it that there would there would probably be a second date. Right? I was excited. I wasn't super excited. But I was excited enough. I knew there would be a second date. He had told me at that time about his cat, Electra. And I'm an animal person. So I really dig animal people. Um and uh, and so I wound up not hearing from him for a couple of days. Um, and then finally he emails me. We make a plan, right? And he emails me, he emails me a couple of days later and he says, uh, I'm so sorry. I have to cancel our plans. My cat is very sick. And I said, okay, of course. You have to do what you have to do. I completely understand. Never hear and from... And that, that's a believable... For me, that's a believable excuse. Absolutely. That's a believable excuse. I once had a guy tell me... Um, it literally was like... We had a date planned, and then he canceled it. And then it was... In, in quick succession, um, I got hit by a car while riding my bike. Um, but I'm okay. Then it was, I'm having perpetual ear ringing. Um, and then it was like, I have to go to Africa for a, a nonprofit trip. And I was like, hmm, somebody just doesn't want to go on a third date with me. Um, but, but this guy, I believed him, right? He's a sick cat. So I never wind up hearing again about the cat, about, um, about going out again. But I do for months get updates on the cat. He, he emails me to say, just so you know, she's doing a lot better. And here's a picture of her, right? And he, he, he emails me pictures of Electra. Oh, my God. Um, on her little Ivy, which is so sad and yet so adorable. Uh, <laughs> but she also just looks like miserable. <laughs> I mean, she's miserable, but she's kind of like, "Why are you taking the photo?" Right? Why? Is, and then I'm like, I had that moment in my head where I, I said to myself, "I am not the only woman he's sending these photos to." Right? <laughs> like, yeah. It's not like you were saying Pixar didn't happen. Right? You, were, you believed the cat. Let's get together totally. when the cat's better. You just come back whenever right. it's good for you. Yeah. So there was a there was a lot of there was a lot of of uh, correspondence about the cat and very little about wanting to see me again. Um, and so I shared this story with Emmy and we had a good laugh about it. I mean, not about Electra, who we we like to believe is fine and happy in Bensonhurst. Um, but then somehow she became our mascot. And so we we did what any you know storytelling co-host would do, which is we made a giant poster of her. Um, and we carry her around to every show. And so 
<laughs> so that that's the story of Electra. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, we have a picture of her up on WFMU.org if you guys want to check it out. And we want to hear your bad date stories. Who texted you a photo? What was their excuse for not going on the third date? The number is 201-209-9368. 201-209-9368. And we are so excited to hear your stories, and we'll be telling some of our own. But first, I want to share a story from one of these live storytelling events from Josh Gondelman. Um Josh is, um, I think he's going to be huge. I love this story. It's uh, it's out of control. Yeah, he's definitely, he's wonderful. I, you know, he's a name that's just being tossed around everywhere. Um, and we were so excited to have him on stage. Um, I think he's most known right now for being behind the modern Seinfeld Twitter account. Yes. Which is Twitter slash uh, Seinfeld Today. Um, and that's, you know, we, we didn't even realize we knew of him through that first. And then I wound up going to, um, apparently, there's really funny Jews who come out of Brandeis. Um, and so I went to, um, I say that because I'm a funny Jew. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I went to a, like, Brandeis storytelling event and saw him and knew that we had to have him and then was so lucky that he agreed um, to take part in in our last Bad Day Great Story show and we can't wait to have to have him back so um, he's going to start off the story by telling us a little bit about himself and then we're going to hear a story about a kind of date from when he was um, on tour in Minnesota all right here's Josh I apologize for this, but we're going to start off dirty, which is weird because I'm not a dirty guy. Like, every girl I date, I think, has, or woman, has a higher sex drive <laughs> than I do, and it's insane. Like, and it's always a huge, dis or often a huge disparity, where one time I was dating this one on New Year's Eve, she wanted us to do the drug ecstasy together. She was like, Josh, we should do ecstasy. It's like a six-hour orgasm. And I was like, wow. That sounds messy. Um, do we even have enough towels for ecstasy? <laughs> but, and I'm not a one-night stand guy. That's the other important thing to know going into this story. Like, I'm not a guy. Women don't see this and want one night of sweaty awesome or whatever it is women want from sex. Women see this, and they want long-term financial advice. So. But I was one time uh, a couple years ago, I was out on the road doing some stand-up comedy. And uh, the show ended, and I had had a couple drinks, and I was cutting myself off. And I go up to the bar, and I just was thirsty. I was trying not to get hungover, because I chose the next night. So the bartender says, what do you have? And I say, glass of water, please. And this girl next to me goes, glass of water? You're no fun at all. And guys, it was like she'd known me my whole life. <laughs> We start chatting. She's smart. She's cute. She's funny. She's all the things I look for in a woman. And she even has glasses, which I'm totally into, which is super convenient for me because that's the only physical disability you're specifically allowed to be attracted to. <laughs> like, you can love anybody with any kind of body or brain, but not because they're disabled. That's weird. How weird would it be if I was like, hey, dude, check out that girl with scoliosis. I'd like to bend her over, but too late, I guess. Okay, anyway, that's gross. Uh, but that's, that's what we're dealing with, so get ready. Uh, so we start chatting, and we're having a great time. We actually end up uh, going, leaving, going to a party together, and I end up back at her place, which is as confusing for me at the time as it is for you to hear me say that, I'm sure. So we start uh, hooking up, and things are 
cool until an unprecedented thing for me happens. We're hooking up and she slaps me in the face. And I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know whether you, I just slap her back, just like, pistols at dawn, I'm not sure. And what happened, and this is embarrassing, but I, I used to teach preschool, that's not the embarrassing part, that's backstory. I used to teach preschool, and so I kicked into my preschool training, and she hits me in the face, and I just go, no! You use your words, gentle hands. So things keep progressing, and she says, Josh, we should have sex with each other, which was super convenient because there was like no one else around to have sex with. So she says, Josh, we should have sex with each other. My response in the moment was, uh, I said, I second that motion. That is not sexy. Never respond to romantic overtures that way, not even if you're trying to screw someone in parliament. Don't, it's not good. She, I say, I second that motion, but we should get some protection in between the two of us for safety's sake, because that's the kind of guy I am. And she says, Josh, I have a condom, but it's way over there, and points to what I imagined at the time was like a different town. The next morning, I realized she meant the dresser. I totally would have made the trip. Because normally, I'm so cautious. I use two or three condoms. I pop a birth control pill, put down a tarp, brass knuckles in case of a home invasion. I'm very careful. But that night, we decided to spin the wheel and play some Catholic roulette. Just like, no baby, no baby, no baby, no baby. Daddy needs a future. So that's what we did. We start doing sex. And um, she's doing some sex on me. I'm doing some sex on her. You guys know how sex works. And we get to the end part, which is normally like the best part, right? It's the part where we're like, booyah, and then go to sleep. But when we, get to the, when we get to the end, when we finish, when I finish, uh, when we finish, <laughs> we can't enjoy the moment because we're too busy looking each other in the eyes and actually out loud saying, oh no, like we're practicing for the pregnancy test results later. <laughs> she actually gets up and leaves the room, which is fine because I needed a minute to myself just to be like, oh my God, I have AIDS. I have so much AIDS. This is an unprecedented amount of AIDS for my body. Oh my God, my foot's asleep. Is that a symptom of AIDS? Because, oh, thank goodness, I'm just lying on my foot. That's fine. So she comes back in. She's like, Josh, I'm sorry I freaked out. Uh, everything's cool. We should just get a morning after pill tomorrow. And I was like, I second that motion. And she was like, that's not even cute anymore. Knock that off. And so she, we fall asleep. Well, she falls asleep right away. I'm up wired because I'm, a, I'm wondering just like, is insomnia a symptom of AIDS too? I'm just like so freaked out. This is never, nothing like this has ever happening before. I get like three hours of sleep. We wake up, we have an early brunch because if you go after brunch, it's still technically the morning. Morning after is still valid. So we're, we're on our way to a pharmacy. We actually, this takes place in Minnesota. We actually, uh, instead of going straight for a pharmacy, we went near where my hotel was to the Mall of America, where we assumed there must be a CVS. We go in, there is no pharmacy in the Mall of America. So if you think you might have gotten a woman pregnant, don't go to the Mall of America. There is no pharmacy. There's just baby gap after baby gap after baby gap, each one becoming slightly more necessary than the last. So we're freaked out. We decide, try not to panic. We get Orange Julius. Not like instead. We aren't like, glug, glad that's over. Orange Julius, you're a magic elixir. But that's what we did. Um, so we, uh, w that's, what, uh, that's what happened. We leave the mall where there is no pharmacy and go down the street to an actual Walgreens. And when we're, we're outside the Walgreens and I feel terrible and not just from the AIDS I assume is brewing within me. I'm just like, I, I, I'm just not on my game, right? We had had a lovely evening together. 
so much fun. And I'm just leaving her with this legacy of awkwardness. That's what's happening. So I felt bad. I felt like I had done the wrong thing. So she, sensing that I'm not feeling well, looks at me and says this, the most comforting words I could possibly hear. She says this, I swear to goodness this is true. She goes, uh, Josh, when I ask for the plan B pill, I want you to put your hand on my belly and say, do we have to? <laughs> and that, to date, is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I was like, do we have to? This girl's my soulmate, I think. So we go into the pharmacy, and she's like, one plan B pill, please, because that's how many you get. You're not like, give me a handful. We're making a weekend of it. <laughs> so the pharmacist is like, do you want the generic? It's 10% cheaper. And we were like, sure. Uh, the generic is just called whoopsie, uh, if you're wondering. <laughs> but in retrospect, we should have sprung for the whole thing, because 10% cheaper, we didn't want like 90% of a baby, just like an extra tiny, adorable baby if that generic didn't work. So she gets it, right? Or she's about to. The pharmacist rings up the Plan B pill, boop. And I know it's time for me to do the thing that she instructed. But I don't want to. For one, I think it's a little over the top. For another thing, I wanted to do something that would surprise her and make her laugh the way she had broken the tension for me earlier, because I was and remain grateful for that. So here's what I did. Instead of uh, doing the thing that she said with her belly, the pharmacist rings up the plan B, boop. And I just pull out my credit card. I go, don't worry. This one's my treat, little lady. <laughs> I did that. Thank you, guys. I laughed. She laughed. You guys laughed. Pharmacist did not laugh. <laughs> Pharmacist gave me a very dirty look to which I responded just by saying, don't worry, lady, I'm just going to write this one off as a business expense anyway. <laughs> then the re a really sweet thing happened. We the, relieved the tension so much, we actually went out, bought bathing suits, and spent the afternoon swimming at our hotel pool. Uh, now uh, she's, we're Facebook friends, which is not how that's supposed to end. Uh, and she's doing great, and she's married, and I couldn't be happy for her. Uh, and she still doesn't have any kids. <laughs> so I think that's terrific. Thank you guys so much. Have a great uh, night. Josh's story, I think, is really, is really special because they end on this. It's not a bad date because of bad communication. It's just, it's not even, would, I don't, it's not even a date. Is it a bad date? It's not, I mean, it's a, it's, is it even really that bad? I mean, he had sex. So. <laughs> it yeah. could have been worse. Um, it's actually, we've had uh, a lot of Plan B stories. Really? Yeah, I wonder if there's like some sort of like coinciding with it becoming legal. Like you can get it, you know, very easily over the counter. And, um, and so we've actually gotten a couple of stories about the sort of the trauma. And a lot of people associate the trauma not with the experience of that that led to getting the plan b but to um the judgment face of the pharmacist oh the hassle so um and then like the paying um those are the two worst parts but um but yeah so we've had a couple of those stories so yeah so it's not it is called bad date great story but really you could put date in parenthesis and replace it with you know bad Relationship, great story. Bad sex, great story. You know, because we don't really date anymore, do we? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Just hang out. We just a lot of coffee, a lot of drinking dates, right? It's like not, you know. My new filter is: can I get the guy to say it's a date before a date? Like that is my ultimate. Totally, (laughs) it's like they're texting you. It's like, when can we get together? Like, when can I meet you? And I've also, I have all these. I've actually started taking screenshots of times I've shut guys down for not admitting that it's a, a date. Yeah. Um, so wait, wait should I read this? <laughs> should I do this? You should. And uh, everyone should also be following you on Instagram because your Instagrams are hilarious. It's it, it's just the only way. I think that the, I get out of Instagram what you get out of your, what people get out of your series, which is like, you know, these would be horrible stories if we couldn't tell them. If we bottled them up, if none of our friends were dating, we were the only ones doing it. There's something about telling it that makes it not just a horrible thing that happened to you, but a great story. Exactly. Which is also, I hate to say it, but um, New York City is also, in terms of dating, the best and the worst place, right? Because very few people are just dating one person, right? There's oh, always something so better out there. Um, everyone's on OkCupid. So um, so there's a lot of material in this city. And we have certainly tried to... <laughs> gather as much as possible well the phone lines are um blowing up um yes. welcome to you're the so show spoken I'm like, oh, oh you're- wrong button oh gosh i'm so bad at live radio guys <laughs> no, not my jam you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> that was my teacher voice oh, you're doing so great this is really helping <laughs> um okay joining us online too is amanda welcome to the show hi thanks so much um Amanda, I heard, I know I kind of staged you to, to help kick this off because you have mm-hmm. a phenomenal story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's kinda, a story where it's your friends, ridiculous. yeah, your friends tell this story about you behind your back and then I go, I need her on my show right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So, um, all right, so yeah, I hope it lives up to the hype. I mean, this is also told at like friends, family Thanksgivings and stuff like that. Like it's oh my one God. of those legendary Everyone who hears it on the stories. show tonight <laughs> is going to want to tell it again. So. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Um, so I guess I'll just jump in. So um, my first year of law school, I decided that I was going to be like judicious with my time and really proactive. So I was like, all right, I'm going to experience, you know, like the, the universe of online dating. And so I was kind of dabbling with OkCupid and then, my friend's cousin was like, listen, you use a cheapo site, you're going to get cheapo guys. So she convinced me to sign up for Match.com. And I was like, of course, Match.com, that's genius. Yeah, if they're so paying for I, it, then they're going to be more serious about it. Somehow. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you know what, <laughs> these guys are going to be focused. Like, I know where I'm going in life. This is how it's going to work out. So I, like, start messaging back and forth with some, like, random dudes. And admittedly, I'm, I'm just not, like, an online dater type of person. I, I get really impatient. I'm like, let's just cut to the chase. Let's just go meet somewhere, yada, yada, yada. So I started messaging with this dude, Igor, who, like, seemed nice enough, you know, whatever. His profile was, like, medium entertaining. Why is um, the name was, Igor, like, a warning I sign? I know, I also right? know where the story it, is it going. <laughs> um, so I, he lived in Brooklyn. I lived in Brooklyn. I was like, okay, this is great. So he suggested meeting up um, at the Brooklyn Museum of Art when they had that rock and roll photography exhibit. And I was like, hmm, okay, like, 1 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon is kind of a weird time for a date. But, you know, like, whatever. I'm open for anything at this point. Like, let's just. I don't know. I think 1 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon is probably my loneliest time because all these couples (laughs) are, like, walking to and from brunch arm in arm. And I'm just standing there at the dog park with my dog just, like, And I'm usually just out with, like, my laundry bag, you know? All I want is um, a date to the laundromat. I was, I was this is, guys, this is what I'm looking exactly. for. Exactly. Exactly. So, carry um, the laundry, so I'll order the takeout. 
Okay, sorry. So, yes. No Eva. worries. So we agreed to meet at like one o'clock at the Brooklyn Museum, and I'm like kind of crazy. So I got there first because I like to have to be like sought out. I, I get really stressed out if I have to like identify the person based on the blurry pictures from the internet. It stresses me out. It freaks me out. So I'm just like, no, no, no. They come to me. But then he was late, and so I was already like a little bit pissed off because so I was like, all right, buddy. You know, you said one o'clock. It's now like one fifteen. It's January. It's cold. So points against you so far. So he, like, comes scampering up, and he was a lot smaller than I pictured. I was like, oh, wow, so he's actually, like, my size, and I'm 5'3". I was like, super, Mm -hmm. this is, okay, keep an open mind, you can do this, it's fine. So, you know, he had, like, earbuds in and stuff, and he shook my hand with his left hand, and I was like, hmm, that's kind of weird, but he must be, like, turning off his iPod or something, because that's, like, that's just what you do in the wintertime when it's cold, you know, you turn off, like, devices in your pockets and stuff. You guys started with a handshake? Hmm? I normally start with a hug. I don't know if that's normal dating procedure. I just feel like it's the only way we can get over the awkwardness of what's happening here. I'm not really a hugger ever, and so as a result, I kind of just, like, stand there with my arms, like, pinned to my side, like, a weird (laughs) on my face. (laughs) Like, I am the worst person ever at, like, first date hellos, and actually I'm worse at first date goodbyes. Like, it's just, it's epically terrible. I don't think this is a thing we should want to be good at, though, so... Right? Yeah. Um, so so then we, like, go into the museum, and he was like, oh, let's check our coats. And I was like, yes, good idea. Let's check our coats. So I checked my coat, and then he didn't check his coat. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. But, you know, it was it's, the Brooklyn Museum is, like, really cavernous. It's kind of drafty in there. And so I was like, all right, maybe he's cold because, again, he is a petite little man. Like, maybe he catches a chill easily. So we proceed <laughs> to the museum, like... Go on. Yeah, we, so we proceeded to the museum, like, making, you know, as much conversation as I was capable of on a Saturday afternoon. I was like, okay, this isn't terrible. I don't want to kill myself. Like, I don't really have anything better to do. I guess this is going well. Like, this is going pretty well. We took maybe, like, <laughs> two hours to go through the entire exhibit, which was actually really cool. Like, it was a really, really cool exhibition to see. And then afterwards, you know, like, I gathered up my coat. We gathered up our belongings. And I was like, I haven't eaten. Are you hungry? Like, let's go grab some food. So uh, he was like, yeah, of course, it sounds great. So we go to this bar in Park Slope that I just, I really like, and I really like the chicken wings there, of all things. It's kind of weird. Um, and so we go to this, we go to the sports bar in Park Slope, and, you know, we're, like, sitting there having a conversation, like, making small talk. He told me a story about how he's the, quote, little guy at his company, and so as a result, they put him in a trash can as a practical joke. And I was like, that is not the kind of story you tell a lady on a date, like, don't reference yourself as a little guy. Okay, more negative points for you, but whatever. You still seem kind of nice. And so then, you know, like, we're chatting. Well, we probably been, I mean, we've probably been, like, Yeah, but that's kind of the question mm-hmm. of any date is, like, how honest do you want to be about your flaws? And, you know, yeah. like, if you can joke about it, does it mean you're over it? You know? Right, right. I don't know. Yeah. I think some, my friend recently found an online dating profile where the guy had a picture of himself um, at the hospital getting an IV. What? And he getting chemo and then in the bio he was like hey guys i have cancer <laughs> and, oh. um, for that i really do think i mean honesty really is it's the best policy i think in a lot of ways um for that reason right you don't want to show up and be like oh my god i'm giving you the you know deer and headlights look i give somebody when i show up and they have cancer and i didn't expect them to have cancer you want to know they have cancer yeah you should yeah. still go out with them yeah, yeah want you to. do but you, you kind of do. Um, and so uh, that's actually really funny that you say that because, like, we're sitting at this table, you know, like, having conversation. It's, it's probably, like, hour four into the date, four and a half. 
And I guess, like, he thought things were going well because all of a sudden he, like, goes to wipe his mouth, and for the first time his right arm comes up, and he didn't have a hand on the end of his right arm. And it was just covered in a napkin, kind of a stump. And I was like, oh, my God. But, of course, like, I had to rein in the deer in headlights look <laughs> and try to maintain my composure. And I was freaking out. So then I was like, will you excuse me, please? And I beelined for the bathroom where I proceeded to have, like, an epic three-decibel-level meltdown in the bathroom. And I was like, okay, get it all out now. Get it all out. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? How did I not notice this? What the hell? So I gained my composure and, like, sauntered back to the table with this weird, like, creepy, glassy-eyed grin on my face. And I was just like, so... That art exhibit, pretty great, huh? And so then for the rest of the day, you know, he was just, like, gesturing with the with the missing hand. And, of course, like, I couldn't ask, yo, so uh, you don't have a right hand. What's up with that? You know, like, couldn't really ask how it happened because it's probably not a good story either way. And I was just like, okay, okay. And so I was like, you know what? We're still having a conversation. We're going to make it through. It's fine. And then finally, like, the date wraps up and the bill comes. And he made me split the bill with him. And at that oh. point, I was just like, and we're done here. Right. We are done. I got to go see Maya Angelou. Peace. That and I me- never contacted him again. <laughs> <laughs> that to me, the splitting the bill on the first date, particularly after like a four and a half. And I'm a feminist. But, you know, I think it's just nice. It's a nice gesture. Right. It's yeah. Show, it's showing you're invested. That to me is way worse than, you know, you only have one hand. That's fine. As long as you can you know, work the other one doing what it needs to do, then why not right but not right. for that first date i'm still hung up know. on were you did you eat chicken wings on this date? i did so i'm amazed just as a woman who it gets very uncomfortable um like eating around other people i'm amazed that you're not a first date hugger and yet you're an eating chicken wings first dater uh, that is actually what i'm really impressed with because i can i can't even eat a salad on a first date because i'm scared of dripping salad dressing on my chin so, I mean, for uh, my love of chicken wings is, like, parallel to none. I, I adore chicken wings more than life itself. But I think that's also when I should have known that I actually just wasn't interested in this guy mm. because I was willing mm. to just be kind of disgusting. <laughs> you know, I was like, no lady like Tavia here. I'm just going to slop down these wings. Okay, great. See, I this is my difference right here is, like, the moment I start to realize that this is not going to be someone who I want to – who's going to stay in my life, I find a way – I want to. I don't want to continue hanging out because it's, I just worry about being misleading. Um, mm-hmm. So I think if the mo- if I wasn't feeling like a strong connection at the museum, there would have been no chicken wings. I would have gotten some chicken wings for myself and brought them home. I was like, there should still be chicken wings in this yeah. story, but maybe chicken wings <laughs> by yourself, <laughs> watching Felicity or something. Yeah. So what would have? Yeah. Could he have saved the state somehow? Like what? What would you have preferred in terms of like the hand hand disclosure? I mean, I don't know, because, like, I asked myself that afterwards, and I I even, like, you know, of course, I was, like, freaking out. I was also, I think I was maybe, like, 24, and so I was just, like, in a spiral of, like, you know, just crazy. And so I, like, went back through every picture on his profile, like, trying to see if there was some, like, clue that this, that he was missing a hand. And I think if he had just been, like, hey, you know, like, when we met, like, I would shake your hand, but I don't have one on the usual handshaking arm. I think, and I I totally understand where he's coming from with, like, not revealing it right away um, because I imagine that that had worked out badly for him in the past. But I think, like, up front, rather than, like, five hours into it, realizing that because of my general assumption that most people do, in fact, have two hands, you know, and not really thinking, like, hmm, 
hand in his pocket. He must not have one, you know? Right. I also, you know, also what you're touching upon is really showing confidence. And the, the, the lack of reveal on his part also shows that he, he's probably, you know, not comfortable with, oh, yeah. with his body. And then that, that's a turnoff, right? For me, yeah. I've, I've definitely dated guys who are of different, you know, bodies. And I, you know, have dated people with, who are mentally ill and medicated. Um, but it's also how they present it, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. saying, you know, this is a part of my life and it's something I'm comfortable sharing with you because they're like, oh, honesty really is sexy, Right? Oh my god! I feel like I'm like You're a so sex right. ed instructor. So right. Honesty is sexy, guys. Well, the, I mean, that goes back to the cancer guy. It's like he just came right out, and he had a sense of humor about it. He made it his chemo shot, his his chemo <laughs> selfie, his profile picture. And I think that he wasn't trying to manipulate my heartstrings to get a date. I think he's just like, I'm just going to be honest about what's going on with me. Just because right. I have cancer doesn't mean that um, we can't give this a try. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Amanda. That was great. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you called in with that story. And I um, mm-hmm. and I hope you learned your lesson and you uh, check check both hands before every date. <laughs> Absolutely, every time. And also, <laughs> if you don't like somebody, don't spend four and a half hours of your life with them. That's a bigger lesson here. Right? Eat chicken yes, wings alone. Also noted. Yep. <laughs> okay, thanks, Amanda. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, joining us now is Graham on line one. Welcome to YOY. How's it going? Good. Hi, Graham. Uh, tell us your worst date story. Uh, okay, so this this is kind of two dates all rolled into one. Um, it spans a couple states as well. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and I worked at a music club there. And um, the Dirty Dozen Brass Band was coming to town, and I had met this girl at a bar who wanted to go, and I was like, sure, you can come, you know, I'll, you, I work there, and you can just come, you, you can be my guest for the night, um, and so she came, and we hung out, and it was pretty uneventful, because I was working, and there was a concert going on, but the next day, the Dirty Dozen Brass Band was playing in Birmingham, Alabama, um, and she was from Birmingham, and had gone to school there as well, so we were going to go see the concert there, um, and this is the first and second time that I really ever interacted with this person. So I'm like, all right, sure, let's go, you know? So I spend the night at her house, and we get up and leave the next day and go to um, Birmingham, which is like... Wait, so is this romantic uh, at this like- point? Right. I, I, we need to know if there was uh, intercourse. <laughs> if there was no everything that happened. Yeah, we, we, I feel like we missed the most important part of the story thus were far. Were her kisses soft and gentle? <laughs> they were good kisses. There was no intercourse. Okay. All right. Now we can. We have more context. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Go on. So it's, it's like 300 miles away, I think, between Nashville and Birmingham. It's a, it's a haul. And so we go and get to the sh- her friend's house before we go to the show and drop our stuff off because we're going to be staying there and her, bring her dog with her because she doesn't have, she lives by herself and doesn't have anybody to leave her dog with during the day, um, which is fine because her friend has a dog and it's just like a dog party while we're out having a brass band party. 
and we go to the concert, and it's all great and everything. I have I recorded the previous night's show for them, and I give it to them, and it's fun fun time all around. And there's no curfew in Birmingham. Literally, bars close when bars want to close. And so we go out and are at this bar until like seven o'clock in the morning afterwards, hanging out, talking to people, getting drunk, and come out of the bar to birds in daylight and the friend nowhere to be found. <laughs> so we call her, call her, call her, finally get a hold of her. She's found somebody to go home with and is not going to her house, nor will she even let us know where she is so we can get her keys <laughs> to go back to her house. And in the grand scheme of things, it's pr- that's pretty crappy and whatever, but it's a re- reasonably nice day. It's not like the middle of the winter and freezing and all that sort of stuff. It's also Alabama. So we're like, okay, that sucks, but if nothing else, we can just sleep in the car. But what about the dog, who we haven't seen for like 18 hours at this point? Oh, no. <laughs> we're we're yeah. dog people. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I feel, uh, I can't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We keep going. We need the dog. <laughs> and we need our stuff, ultimately, too, because we want to go home. So we go, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know why this comes to me half drunk at 7 o'clock in the morning, but I remember when we left last night that she did not lock her sliding glass door. I was standing right next to it, and I saw her just close it. I have no idea why that came to me. It just did. So I was like, let's go. We are going to get your dog and get our stuff, and we're going to go home. So we go, and her, her friend lives on the second floor of an apartment building that's on a hill. So the first floor is not actually at ground level. Like, you're standing on the ground, and the first floor balcony is, like, mid-chest height, right? So I proceed to climb to the second-story balcony to get into this person's house so that we can get this dog out, um, half drunk at about 8 o'clock in the morning at that point get the dog, open the door, get our stuff. We leave her door unlocked <laughs> and just leave uh, and go to spend the night at my date's mother's house who lives somewhere <laughs> nearby. It was like a 15-mile drive. This is not a date anymore. Place. You guys are like... <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> I just... I just <laughs> nothing is awkward like, this at this point. This is a mini-series. Yeah. Is, <laughs> you guys are in a... Thing now you've traveled <laughs> together you've broken into a home together you've rescued a dog <laughs> when does this get bad because it just sounds good right now yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we go to bed wake up the you've next met her family or, uh, later that afternoon that? it's still going oh, there's more to this okay. way more to this so we go wake up and are hungry so we go to this restaurant that she wants to go to. What'd you guys um, order? Was it chicken wings? No, still no sex. Go <laughs> 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 on, Graham. This is great. Yeah, right. So um, we go to this restaurant, and um, this restaurant only sells soup. And I'm not a real big fan of soup. I just, it's just Deal breaker. I don't <laughs> Quick tangent, I went on a guy this weekend who hates birds. <laughs> what? <laughs> just hates birds. Just all birds. Deal breaker. Deal breaker. No soup, no birds. It's not going to happen. 
So I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't really want to eat anything here. But I can't just, like, get up and go find something else. Because I'm technically still on a date. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> you might as well wind up in Las Vegas and be married. <laughs> <laughs> then you could finally consummate, at least. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We're giving you a hard time, Graham. We want to know how this ends. I convinced her to split a soup with me so I didn't have to not eat all the soup. <laughs> and... She's like, let's. Oh, hey, great! She got like a, a message from a friend of hers who had found out that she was in town. So before we drove back to Nashville, um, she uh, wanted to go see her friend. And I'm, whatever, you know, you're driving. I'll, <laughs> I'm in for the long haul at this point. So <laughs> let's go. And so we go see her friend, and the time spent with her friend proceeds to be um, long, kind of personal discussions about people they knew and their meth habits. <laughs> Did these women have Not, meth habits? What's that? Did they have meth habits? I don't think so. I didn't get that impression and it all it was it was all kind of condescending like learn you know learning that these people had meth habits but it wasn't like taught with you know people get around talk about how drunk they got uh, last weekend. It was like Hey, did you hear this person has a meth habit? Did you okay, I have to. I'm so sorry, guys. I have to hurry you to the end of the story, whatever the, wherever the punchline is, just because we have so much to cover and I have one more story I want to get to. Okay, so after that, we leave and we drive back to Nashville. And the entire way, she wants to listen to um, Donna the Buffalo, which I hadn't really ever heard as a band before then, um, but I'm well familiar with it now. And it was a, I could only describe it as like three or four hours of accordion to get home. Yeah. Um, and I have never spoken to this person since. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the accordion music. <laughs> so many deal breakers. <laughs> uh, so the moral of the story is you don't go on a road trip with someone you barely know, right? right? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is definitely Absolutely. the moral of the story. Thank you so much for calling, Graham. <laughs> I really appreciate it. All right, we are back. Um, we have one more story to get to, but first I want to let everyone know that there is another Bad Date story, good, Great Story event coming up, and it is on the 13th of February. Yep, it's on uh, February 13th at 7.15 p.m. Doors are opening at 6.45, and it's at the Bitter End on Bleecker Street. 147 Bleecker Street. Ooh, thanks. <laughs> um, somebody did their research. <laughs> someone wrote something on a piece of paper. Um, and for those of you not located in New York and listening um, to us through live streaming, um, then we will also be um, posting audio and video on our website, baddategreatstory.com. <laughs> and the lineup is really great for the storytelling night. So again, that's um, next Thursday, the 13th at 7.15. It's kind of like a, uh, like a pre-date to Valentine's Day. They're going to have Kevin Allison, who everyone on the playlist has been telling me need to interview at some point. We know him from the podcast Risk. And they're also going to have Kyle Ayers. He's the guy who became kind of internet famous for the breakup on the roof tweets. And if you don't know what the breakup on the roof tweets are, you need to Google it right now. Yeah, they're really amazing. And we have um, Mara Wilson, who many of us know from Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, and she has just gone from, you know, child star to storytelling um, you know, queen, and she's doing some really amazing work in New York, and we are so excited uh, to have her on the show as well. Um, we were also having Charlotte Lauriston, um, who we've had on the show before, and is just really amazing, and uh, a couple of other really wonderful people. 
All right. Well, we have to get into our next story from um, Naomi Epergen. Yes. Oh, I'm glad you said that it because right? I always <laughs> she she always <laughs> yells at me on stage for for messing it up. Um, Naomi is amazing. Um, she and you guys share an alma mater. Yeah, she was a star on our college campus, and I think she's on her way to stardom. Especially if you go follow her on Twitter right now at Twitter slash Blacktress. And she's also writing for Broad City. We just found out, and we are like so excited and proud of her, and can't wait. Um, to see where she's going as long as she still comes back to the Bad Day Great Story stage. And this story stands out to me because I think we have all been there. We have all been in that moment where you are going down a road and you know you have no business going down this road. <laughs> Nothing good's going to happen here. But you just keep walking. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. <laughs> okay, here's Naomi. And when we get back, we'll be wrapping up today's episode of YOY. My guest is Jesse Mail. And here is Naomi Epergen. I got engaged this year. And like doing stuff like this is like very helpful. It helps me remind myself why I'm with my Jew boo. Okay? <laughs> that is my Jewish boo. And it is just, you know, sometimes you're in a relationship, you know, and you're learning to fucking accept someone for who they are and it gets real tough and then you talk to these two and they're like think back to all your mistakes and I'm like I am where I'm supposed to be I am in the right place oh god so I'm just gonna take us back I'm gonna take us back in time honestly if I end up like shaking in a corner mid-story know that it's like very fresh and real okay I like texted I text, I was like Jesse this is getting some PTSD style flashbacks girl I was like we getting into it we getting into it you know, I have a checkered past because I used to drink to feel pretty, now I eat to feel nothing. So, <laughs> as you can imagine, okay? Drink to feel pretty, honey, you get around the block, okay? You go around the block, you knock on doors, you borrow cups of sugar. So, you know, it's dark times, but um, things were, uh, I think some of my most memorable experiences were when I was living in Australia. Um, I lived in Australia from 2008 to 2009. It's like, it's what I'm into, honey. I like to go inside Caucasia. I like to get answers. <laughs> I like to get answers from the root, okay? And it was also like, you know, I, I also see, seek, you know, geographic solutions to emotional problems. So I was like, because I'm, I'm from New York City too, born and raised, and I was like, I'm sick of it here. I just need something new. I just, I don't know. I'm going to go to the other side of the world where they say no worries and everything's great. You know, and then you go and you realize that you're still there. Do you know what I mean? Wherever you go, you're you. And so crazy just finds you. Um, so I lived, um, I lived in Sydney and it's funny cause I got there, you know, and by the time I got to Australia, I was weary, honey. I was like an emotional Rosa Parks. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'll sit anywhere. I'm broke down. I'm broke down. I'm done hoeing. I was just like over it, you know? Yet being brown in Australia, that was the place. Them boys just be throwing dicks at you. Okay. Okay, black ladies, if you need to feel pretty and you got extra two grand, just get on a Qantas flight. Get on a Qantas flight to Sydney Town. Don't even need to do your hair. They gonna be about you, okay? So I'm over there, I'm down under. And it was just like, stop throwing your dick at me. Stop asking me if I'm Sudanese. Stop it. Oh, God, they kept thinking I was like a refugee. It's like, back up. But oddly racist. It's like a very complicated place. Um, so tricky. Um, you know, and so... I worked in a hostel bar because a lot of like the big hostels downtown, they'll have like a bar. So, you know, keep it all in house, you know, keep making that money from crazy backpackers. And so like I am in the epicenter of all things multiculti. OK, and I'm only I'm the only black woman, only American, you know, black woman. And of course, it's like, oh, my God, people kept calling me brave. 
You know, because I was like, you're a lady and you're by yourself somewhere. That's not your house. You're brave. <laughs> you're so courageous. You're so well-spoken. I'm like, oh, you're racist. So, but like, it was funny because it was all like, one time though, I met this guy and he actually, he wasn't at the hostel. He was like a friend of someone else who worked there. And, I, and it was again, like, I'm, I'm over here. I'm on vacay. Do you know what I mean? Like, who cares? It's very like, sh and also like, I'm a fucking stand-up comic. So like, if you're insane, I go to you. You know what I mean? So I'm very like, sure, I'll go out with you. So like, we, me and this guy, he was from Sweden and I don't even, oh, I'm like okay, I'm like upset, but also really proud. I'm upset that I don't remember his name because I love to put a bitch on blast. But I'm also really proud that I don't remember his name because that means I've grown. You know what I mean? Like I've moved past that point in my life. And that was like, I was, look, I was figuring out today as I was like thinking about this and I was like, I forgot his name. Good for you. You're living in the present. So we'll just call him Sven, why not? He's Swedish. And so we, we went out, we went, to the, we went to the zoo. That was our date at the Taronga Zoo. And um, he was dull as dishwater, honey. But he was like, he was very burly. He was like a human Lego man. You know, just like that kind of boxiness. And it was like, bitch, you wanna fetishize? I'll fetishize you too, Caucasian. We'll do it, okay? So, you know, we had a magical day. He showed me, he like took my picture with the kangaroos, my favorite. He showed me like, he pointed out an elephant boner, an actual elephant's boner. Don't get ideas. Um, and I was like, oh my God, we're such friends. Okay, so that was probably like mid-December. And then uh, New Year's Eve came. And so I was chilling at a perfectly nice party with some friends in like North Sydney and it's away from the hullabaloo, but you can see the fireworks. Um, and you know, obviously cause the seasons are different. It's like balmy and hot, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just like slutted up, you know? Like it's like New Year's Eve slut up the way we do here, but like with no mercy, you know what I mean? Cause you don't, you don't need to hide that shit under a down coat, you know what I mean? So I was doing it upright. Um, and then like a dummy, I was like, you know what, I'm only gonna be here once. Let me go into downtown. Let me like go be in it to see the fireworks. You know, and I knew some other people who were going, you know, and it's just like, why the fuck would I do that? I know better. I've been to Times Square, like literally downtown Sydney New Year's Eve is like Times Square only warm and no open container laws. So the shit is just bedlam, okay? The shit's lawless, okay? And, but I go down there and it was kind of like, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I was like, I am over here. I'm like, you know, I was like having a spiritual moment. And I was like, oh my God, I'm among the people. I'm on the other side of the world. I'm young, gifted, and black, yes. I was like so into it. And then I get a text message from Sven, who's like, who like is staying with somebody in downtown. So he was like, oh, hey, are you downtown? Let's meet up. And we all know, come on, it's like after midnight, let's be real. And I was like, oh, okay, Sven, I'll do it. Cause I'm a lady. Um, and so, so, you know, obviously the fireworks have ended. So everybody's now leaving downtown and I'm walking like back into the madness, you know, like I'm fighting against humanity. Looking back, it's like the world was telling me not to fucking go there. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, I must go to Lego man. And I was like fucking like pushing through and then like I hear a bottle, I hear a bottle uh, break on the, on the cement, like on the floor. And I was like, huh, weird. And then I look down and I see like red on the top of my foot. Um, and I was like, huh, gross. Who's like fucking like drooling Jolly Rancher on me? <laughs> like that was my gut reaction, it was like so bright. And it was just like, I, like, I don't know, like I didn't, nothing hurt. So you know, I'm going about my business, going about my business. Then I kind of look and I'm like, oh wait, this is still happening. This is happening to me. Oh my damn. So, okay. So, so now 
you know, New Year's Eve, right? I can't get a call out. Everybody's like, you know, calling everyone they love. And it's like, happy New Year's. So like the lines are dead. It's like, I'm in fucking downtown New Year's Eve and I'm brown, you know I ain't getting a cab. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what to do. I got no choice but to call Sven, shit. So I was like, I texted him, I was like, hey, I can't make it up to your place. Meet me in front of the Burberry store, cause I'm classy. <laughs> so I text him and so I'm like standing, literally standing like leaning up against the Burberry store, you know? And so now imagine this, okay? And this is like the one time where I couldn't fault Australians for staring at me, okay? Because you got a tall, strong black woman wearing a two-tone mini dress sighing and muttering to herself with a pool of blood around her feet like a fucking weary prostitute. And so, you know, people would be like, hey, okay. Like it was like, you know, like a lot of that. People be like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then it was great though, because then it was like, this is like ridiculous. Two African dudes come and we like totally have this like black power connection. And he like looks and he's like, he's like, sit down. He's like, what's going on? And I was like, I was like, don't worry about it. This Swedish guy's coming, it's fine. <laughs> and he was like, hell no. So he was like, he's like, no, he's like, I'm a doctor. And I'm just like, mm, hell, I don't buy it. You know what I mean? Like a random ass dude comes to me. I'm like, you have dreadlocks, you're not a doctor. <laughs> horrible. No, I didn't say that, but I was like, literally, I was like, I don't buy it. You know, but he's all like, he's like, sit down, elevate your foot. I'm in a tiny ass dress. I'm like, shit, if I sit down, you're gonna see my clitoris. And I was like, but I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to survive tonight, you know? And then he like, he like has something again. So he must've been a real doctor. Cause he was all like, put this compress on it. And I'm just like, fine, you have a compress, you're a doctor. Um, you know, and again, we're like in this crazy multitude. And so finally like an ambulance comes um, and I'm, this ambulance was like obviously on the way to like deal with two drunk people fighting. Do you know what I mean? And then like the, the African stopped him and was like, help this woman. And so I get, I get in the back and you know, of course, you know, again, uh, American, I'm like, I don't have coverage. <laughs> Before you go further, I need to know what it's gonna cost me. So, the best part is, I will tell you this though, they were like, oh, we'll send you a bill. Gave them the wrong address, Australia. And then I fucking skipped town. Like, six months later, so I don't know. And so then, um, so, um, I go in there and the fucking medic, dude, he's like, don't look a day over 15. He needs to get proactive. He was like, not, I was like, are you a volunteer? Cause you are not handling. He even said to me too, he's like, oh, he's like, I don't like blood. <laughs> Bitch, you in the wrong line of work. Okay, don't say that shit to me as you about to stitch me up. So, you know, bandages it up. I'm in there and like, as I'm in the van, Sven drunk off his ass, just like, he like knocks on the window and it's like, what did you do? You know? And so you come out and there's like fucking blood everywhere. Like it looks like I was shot. It's looking very much like a Spike Lee joint happened <laughs> on the street in Australia. So come out, you know, and now of course it's like, at this point it's like almost one o'clock and I'm just like, oh God, I'm so broke down and now I'm delicate. You know what I mean? I'm delicate and I'm wrapped up. And so this is when Lego Man comes in handy. You know, so he like guides me and he's all like, he's like, he's like, well, this worked out for me. And I'm like, stop it. Yes, it did. And um, so we go back to his uh, friend's apartment where they're like still having a party. And I, at this point now, I cannot put any pressure on my foot. We discover. So he lifts me and carries me like a Daniel Steele novel. I was like, this is the one. This is the one. And so he, uh, you know, carries me to the couch. And then um, it's funny that um, Anna mentioned Sex in the City because that was actually on the television in Australia. So obviously we're watching it and I'm all like, oh my God, first of all, there's no way she could get a cab, okay? I don't care how long she's like storming off. I'm like, it is the middle of the night. That would never happen. And then he's like, oh, I don't like Charlotte. And I'm like, I like you. And so like, 
you know? And so then obviously, you know, we do what lovers do, which is move too quickly and then cry. Um, and, um, you know, in a way it was funny because, you know, like, again, too, like, I wasn't wasted, but I was obviously drunk enough to not feel fucking glass in my foot and, like, not realize I was in a danger zone. And so, um, but then at the same time, you know, you do what lovers do. It's a really great distraction. So then the next morning, I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here. This is awkward. I'm not happy here. But you can't make a fucking stealthy getaway when you only got one foot. Okay? Because I was trying to do that shit under the radar, and I was like, fuck, I can't even put my, my shoe on my foot. Fuck. I'm going to have to wake his. So I was like, I don't, huh, huh. You know? And then his friends who live there, you know, they're all like, let's go to brunch. You know, like Australians, they don't have boundaries. They don't know when shit's awkward. They're just like, let's all go get some fucking food. And I'm like, okay, great. Do you know this Swedish, Swedish bitch did not say a word to me the entire brunch? Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no, and I'm over here wounded. The two things this fool said to me that whole time was like, pass the ketchup. And, yes, I think that bus will take you home. What? Y'all. See, this is where the PTSD come in, okay? I'm so fucking thankful for my jubu. After everything I've been, I choose to be chosen, okay? I can't, I can't, okay? You know? And so, um, that was the last I saw of Sven until uh, 2011. I get a Facebook message, was like, hey, me and my girlfriend are coming to New York. We'd love to see you do comedy sometime. Uh, Bitch, you dead to me! <laughs> Can you imagine that shit? That is a Caucasian, which is what I call a crazy Caucasian. <laughs> Talking about me and my girlfriend, let's see you do comedy, you're dead to me, okay? I couldn't even, I couldn't even cope with that shit. But you know how, like, I don't like to be dramatic, but that shit was a fucking portent, okay? Because, you know, it was like the start of a new year. Okay, guys, let me tell you what went down, though, okay? My foot ended up being infected. The glass cut tendons, and I could not move my toes. And I couldn't move, I can move my big toe, because apparently it's like a separate pipeline. But everything else for like a, for like a year, for like a year, and because Australia's so damn crazy, it takes like a week into the process for me to get a damn doctor who goes, try to move your feet. No bitch asked me to try to move my feet before then. Come the fuck on. That's what I'm talking about, that 15 year old boy in that damn ambulance, he wasn't thinking. And so I was like, oh my God. And then, and then that also kicked off the beginning of like a year long celibacy streak, okay? And then when I came back to New York, I got bed bugs. So y'all, y'all, Okay, some shit has meaning, okay? When it is New Year's Eve and you are out and you get a call from a crazy rando Swedish man, do not go to him. No good can come from a man in need of a green car calling you up after midnight, okay? That's just what happens. Jesus Christ, Jesse Emmy, thank you. Oh my God, thank you. That's all I have, you keep me young. You keep me young, thank you. Oh Lord, oh, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me. Hold me, hold me. Oh, it happened, it happened. That's Naomi Epergen performing at the Bad Date Great Story series. How funny is Naomi? Um, she describes herself as the love child of Kathy Griffin and Chris Rock. 
And you can follow her on Twitter at Blacktress, also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Comedy. She also hosts a monthly show called Coyote Average. The next one is coming up on Saturday, February 8th, 8 p.m. at Karma Lounge. That's 51 First Avenue in Manhattan. And I have information about all of our guests up on yoyradio.com. So this is where the radio show is wrapping up for all the radio listeners. But for you podcast listeners, I have one more story, and it's coming to us from Matt Ringer. Um, Matt is a connoisseur of fine wines, spelled with an H. He's also the co-host of the Schlock Treatment Podcast, and you can follow him on Twitter at Doesn't Matter without um, an E-R, just M-A-T-T-E-R, where he is consistently hilarious. So it's a little little podcast bonus for you. I think his story is really honest, but also funny, and uh, enjoy. Thank you guys for having me. This is a perfect, a perfect place for me to be right now. Um, I recently had a breakup not too long ago, so I feel like I'll, I'll tell you guys about it a little bit. Um, I broke up with my girlfriend of two and a half years. Um, we had a baby together. Uh, but it's okay. We're doing okay. I'm doing all right. I think the hardest part about a breakup is like after you guys are split apart and something happens and it reminds you of the time you guys spent together. You know what I'm talking about? So like when I was dating my girl, I found out that when she was in college, she made out with Ed Burns. <laughs> Everyone knows who Ed Burns is, right? He's like yeah. an actor and director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we were together, I could never watch an Ed Burns movie. Because any time one would be on TV, instead of saying his lines, he'd be talking shit to me. <laughs> and he'd be like, yeah, man, I made out with your girl when she was young, too. What are you going to do about it? I'm like, shit, I can't do anything about it. Brother McMullen is making a valid point. I got to just change the channel. I can't watch the movie. So now we're broken up, and I'm sitting on my couch alone. And what comes on? Ed Burns movie. I'm like, shit. Only this time, something's different. She's not my girl anymore. She's Ed Burns' girl again. <laughs> Instead of him talking shit to me, I'm talking shit to him. And I'm like, hey, Ed Burns, I put a baby in your girl. All you did was make out with her. What are you going to do about it? Just keep trying to save Private Ryan? That's what I thought. But then I thought about it a little bit. I'm like, Actually, like, Ed Burns is a really good-looking guy. And she hooked up with him, and she hooked up with me. That makes me as good as Ed Burns. <laughs> and then I thought about it some more. I thought about a girl I dated in college, and she was in an elevator with Matt Dillon, and Matt Dillon hit on her, and she shot down Matt Dillon, and she hooked up with me. So I'm as good as Ed Burns and better than Matt Dillon. And I'm cool. I'm so cool with that. But for that girl, it made sense. Matt Dillon was in the elevator, he was being creepy. She didn't hook up with him, not a big deal for her. It's a giant deal for me. Because I can't think of any situation where a famous person wanted to hook up with me and I wouldn't do it. I want to hook up with a famous person so badly. I can't even tell, like I can, I'll give you an example. I used to hang out in this bar a lot, right? And there was this girl that hung out in the same bar and everyone in the bar knew her and I wanted to hook up with her. She was bar famous. She was only famous in that bar. And I wanted her so bad. And then one night, I got too drunk, and I went to kiss her, and I fell off the bar stool. And then I was bar famous, and I didn't need to hook up with her anymore. <laughs> but I'm saying, I think it would be so much fun, because just think about how much what TV watching is like for me when I'm talking to my ex's exes. How much better would TV be for me if it was someone I was directly involved with? 
I could be sitting on my couch, TV show comes on, I'd be like, and what? Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman. Yeah, I hooked up with Carrie the Mythbusters intern. What are you gonna do about it? Just keep disproving things? That's for telling me that nothing in the Goonies was plausible. Revenge. Nah, so I had a, I had a baby and um, it was the best. I have no complaints about that. Like, up until the point where I had the baby, the best thing that ever happened to me was that Michael Jordan came out of retirement in 1995-96 and came back to the Bulls. And when I found out the baby, it was well higher, all right? This was the baby and this was Jordan. But there were signs that it wasn't going to work out. I mean, I should have seen it on the wall. First of all, me and my ex-girlfriend, we work together. We work in the same company. And everyone knows that old cliche, don't dip your pen in the company incubator. <laughs> And then the second sign was, we met at the Christmas party, which is like the drunkest night of the year, if you're me. And we met at the after party. I walked into the after party. I don't know if you've ever seen the clip of when Tupac walked out of court. That's how I walked into the after party. And I took my coat off, and I threw it on a table. And someone tapped me and said, watch your coat. You just threw it on a candle. And my first, my first reaction was, let it fucking burn. And then I turn around and I see this girl who I'd seen around the office, I never talked to her before, I had a crush on her for a lot of years, she was very pretty. And I turned around and I looked at her and I said, oh, funny it's you. And she said, why? And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I've had a crush on you for like seven years. First thing I said to her, aside from let it fucking burn. And she goes, oh, well, if you had such a crush on me, why didn't you ever talk to me? And I said, oh, because you kind of look like a bitch. Now, for me as a man, I have two weaknesses, okay? The first weakness is like when somebody looks like they're not gonna be good at singing and then they start singing, they're amazing. Like they, they wheel these mutants out and he's like, hi, my name's Gus. I've worked in a mine the last 30 years. And then he's like, and you, and you, and you. And I'm crying, I'm crying. Simon Cowell is my Nora Ephron. And my second thing, my second weakness as a man is just a girl who looks like she's gonna be mean to me for the rest of my life. I just can't get over that. So I said, you know, I said, you look like you're gonna be a bitch. That could have went two ways. She could have slapped me, but what happened was she said, oh my God, people say that to me all the time. And I was in. I knew it. I knew it. But there were still signs that we weren't gonna work out. We found out we had what you call a hurricane baby. <laughs> hurricane baby is when a hurricane comes through and no one goes outside. And you stay in, and you have a baby. We conceived the baby during that Hurricane Irene thing that happened a couple years ago. And then Josh was talking about earlier failing a pregnancy test. You know what an interesting day to fail a pregnancy test is? The 10th anniversary of September 11th, September 11th, 2011, was the night we found out. We walked to the store together after watching six hours of 9-11 coverage and got a pregnancy test and took it and passed or failed it, depending on what your definition of that is. And I had a conversation with her that night, and I said, I can handle this baby, but the one thing is, am I going to have to marry you because I don't think I'm going to be able to handle that. And she said, 
We have other things to worry about. I said, that's fine. You're going to have the best baby daddy you ever had in your entire life than anybody's ever had. And I stopped drinking hard liquor. And, <laughs> and I, mo I moved into her apartment because we didn't live together at the time. And I went to all the classes with her. I did everything you're supposed to do. The, it's time for the baby to come. And I'm walking to the doctor. I'm like, where do I scrub in? How do I get involved in this? I didn't watch seven seasons of Grey's Anatomy to not be involved. <laughs> I was in, I was in, but didn't work out. All those dates, all that stuff, year anniversary of our, our daughter's birth, I'm in the therapist's office doing the official breakup, a year to the day, I kid you not. And then two days later I get to go to my, uh, the daughter's birthday party and not have my girlfriend show up and get to explain to all my relatives and friends and family why she's not there two days after we broke up. So. That's what happened with that. <laughs> and I should be mad at her. Except she gave me the second best thing that ever happened to me. Oh my god, being a single dad is the best thing in the world. You remember those commercials back in the day would be like, nobody says they want to be a junkie when you grow up? And then you're like a snotty kid, and you're like, I want to be a junkie when I grow up. If they ever do the single dad version of that, I will fucking get on board with those public service announcements like that. This, half this country would be single dads when I get through telling them. Being a single dad is like going to school every day and not having to go to one class. <laughs> it's the best. I get to date and I have my baby, the two things I care most about in the world. It's just unbelievable. When people say dating's hard in New York, I don't find it hard as a, as a man, but I find it hard as a New Yorker. Because I grew up in New York. I'm born and raised, right? Thank you. And I, had, uh, I dated a girl who, who uh, just recently moved here. So the date she wanted to go on, she's like, I'm dating the New Yorker. Um, I want you to take me someplace, New York. I want you to take me to the Statue of Liberty. I'm like, I lived here my whole life. I've never been to the Statue of Liberty once. I'm like, I don't even know how you get to the Statue of Liberty. But like, it's not because I'm a man. Because if, if we were in another state, if we were driving down the New Jersey Turnpike and I got lost, I would stop for directions. But because it's New York, I'm like, I can't admit to this girl. I don't know the Statue of Liberty. So I'm racking my brains. I'm like, what do I know about the Statue of Liberty? What do I even know? How do you get there? How do you get there? Like, all right, I got it. I got it. What we got to do is we got to get on a boat leaving Europe in like the early 1900s and then sail across the ocean and some Neil Diamond will play. We'll have a religious experience. But yo, you're a Jewish girl. Be careful when you get off the boat. They might try and change your last name. That is historically accurate. Nah, New York, the dating in New York, they're saying it's hard to date now, but New York was a terrible place like 30, 40 years ago. It's nice now. It was a shithole back in the day, all right? New York was so nasty. Like, there was a point in like the late 70s, like from 1975 to 1980, where New York was so terrible, so goddamn awful, that you could get on a subway and there's a chance you bump into Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Yuck. Disgusting. All right, I'm Andy. I'm Matt Ringler. Thank you, guys. You've been great. Man, thank you so much for showing up. That was Matt Ringer performing live at the Bad Date Great Story series. I'm Andrea Salenzi, and this is why. Oh, why? My guest has been Jesse Nail from the Bad Date Great Story series, baddategreatstory.com. 
Our podcast artwork is by Shades of Blue Greg Harrison at gregcircanow.com. Special thanks to WFMU Scott Williams for setting me up with equipment to record this live event. Thanks also to my callers. Thanks also to my new iTunes reviewers, mm, who complain that there is only one show a week. And say hi to Aaron, who's self-identified as a podcast junkie. I love that this show has attracted my fellow addicts. I get it. I'm the kind of podcast obsessive who wants nothing more than to stay in on a Saturday night so I can clean my room and catch up. My advice to you guys is not to do this alone. Tell a friend about your podcast problem. Send them to yyradio.com. Join me next week as I tell you about how my visit to NPR Studios for this little show called Planet Money led to me going on dates with two different guys named Michael. And they're both poets. This is my first show about my real and uncensored dating life. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, that's it. That's all I can say. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, and online, WFMU.org.